0: If you want peace, prepare for war. This is Parabellum, a Cyberbit podcast.
1: Clayton, welcome back, buddy.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Jason.
1: So Clayton Coleman of Cyberbit fame and today's special guest, Cecil Pineda. Cecil, what's up, man? I'm good. You pronounce it properly. Well, thank you. I practiced all night, so... (laughs) It's part of that uh, Texas upbringing. We know how to say panada. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a delicacy. So, man, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do
2: for a living? Well, that's a big question. I uh, work for a cybersecurity company. That's good. Um, it's a cybersecurity podcast. So yep. we're in the right place. Yep. And uh help a lot of companies uh, address their cybersecurity problems. Oh, okay. That
1: that's a very <laughs> open-ended. What'd you do before that?
2: Well, I was the CISO at the DFW Airport and uh prior to that, I was with uh GameStop, with DXU Energy, with Boeing, with CVS Health and Ernst & Young.
1: Uh that's that's a who's who lineup there. Yeah, so. yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. That I think I I, I like to think that I picked those company because I wanted to be a CISO one day.
1: Yeah, and you did that. Now you're a consultant, so you wised up and took all that experience, and you yeah get to teach other people
2: how to do things the right way. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very fun. Uh, you get to work with the, at the lowest level to the engineers, to the executives, to the IT executives.
1: Cool. So, interesting, you were at DFW. So, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. Clayton is a, I would say, our resident OT expert here in North America for Cyberbit, So, and I am not.
2: Well, so. I can I can tell you why I had OT by accident. <laughs> <laughs> OT. I didn't want OT, but what, what is just, OT at the airport? Well, there's a lot of OT and IOTs there. Uh, uh, I actually lost count because uh, the first time I went there, uh, someone told me, "Hey, uh, I said, how many devices uh, do we have around here?" And they told me that, uh, "Hey, uh, I think we have eight thousand devices here. Eight thousand? Uh, I I'm just counting the number of parking spots there. I think we have more than 3,000 parking spots. So I'm pretty sure we have more than 8,000 devices. And um, yeah, we went through. Were you right? uh, No, it wasn't even close. Uh, By the time we did a lot, uh, we did Discovery uh, using a lot of tools. I was hoping uh, at that time I had Cyberbit, I used all the tools that we have in our environment. uh, different kind of tools uh, we use solar winds we use rapid seven we use nmap we use a variety of tools uh, there are systems in our environment that i cannot just scan they didn't allow me to scan uh, because they're iot their ot devices uh, can you give an example yeah uh, number one probably the easiest was the baggage handling system there Baggage Uh, handling system. That's an OT system? Yeah, they run some, I think they're they're Siemens PLC. I have to double check. They're running some PLCs there, and um, we're not allowed to scan those. Uh, We're not allowed to scan our life safety systems, our HVAC systems, our runway lights, all of those things that are operational because I could trigger an alert. And I think um, before I came there, there's some issues in the past when they did scan. They triggered some alerts and or some some stuff. So I see you shaking
1: your head. What kind of issues would you run into um, actively scanning a
0: baggage handling system or HVAC runway lights? Well, this is a classic example of um, using the right tool for the job in an OT network. And, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to have run some active scans on some production facilities that fortunately did not uh, take a hit but have had a lot of lab experience with OT devices and scanning them with common off-the-shelf tools like NMAP or SolarWinds tools and I've seen those devices just croak and roll over and flash red lights. Those tools are great in IT networks but in OT networks they cause problems. They can be your biggest enemy. So I'm, I'm grateful that Cecil was warned appropriately and didn't didn't scan those critical systems because it may have had a bad outcome. And I'm
1: not an OT expert, but I do fly a lot. So what happens if you scan uh, the runway lights? Well, Either one of you.
0: Well, I, we don't know. We, we're not sure, but I can just give you an example. There've been some PLCs and devices that uh, uh, embedded devices that just sending it a a sized packet that it's not familiar with can cause it to just burp and reboot. So it some of them can just be real sensitive to what's normally benign network traffic.
1: So burping and rebooting runway lights when I'm touching down is pro- problematic, yeah, of course.
2: But but let me put this out there, you know, um again, uh, I'm not an OT expert. Uh, I like to believe that uh, I think there are a lot of really good principles that we do in information security that are applicable in OT security. One of the things, I I had a long argument, several arguments with our operational guys are, hey, do you want someone else doing an active scan? Or do you want someone authorized to do so? Because someone, somehow, someone's going to be able to get into our network, Run it would be better if we can actually Run it could be in, in, intrusive, but at least at the same time, we'll be able to see how our system reacts to those type of active scans. Yeah, how to uh, plug the holes? The problem is, that it wasn't allowed, of course, because uh, critical in airports are critical infrastructure, and you know, just imagine a a, a an alarm went off. See, I kind of think of them like a small city unto themselves. It is. They have their own police force. Yeah, fire they department, have, and they uh, have a mall. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got So uh, critical infrastructure is really difficult to play experiments. We can't do experiments
0: in crit- You make a very good point because one experiment could effectively brick a device yeah. and, and it might not be rebootable. So you could run a network tool against one of these IoT or OT embedded devices and thinking, well, the worst case, I'll unplug it and plug it back in and you you might not be so lucky, so you don't want to find that out by accident.
2: Yeah, you know, um, I do admit that I had some mistakes uh, when I was there. I was, I thought I knew everything, but, you know, after I sat down with these operational guys, getting to know what they really do, uh, you know, their mandate is different from our mandate. Our mandate is security. Their mandate is operational. They have to uh, keep, you know, 100% uptime. And if you impact that uptime, it's going to be delayed flights. It's going to be, it could be even chaotic, you know. Just imagine, um, six uh, this year, uh, the airport, uh, I think they're going to process 75 million passengers. And every given day, there's hundreds of thousands of people pass through those airports. And if we make a mistake, uh, it will, you know, it could be disastrous uh, it's my home
0: airport so no <laughs> mistakes <laughs> yes so you know th- you bring up a very good point Cecil about the priorities and you know the classic model we we look at in security a lot of times is the the confidentiality integrity and availability yeah. and that's sort of flipped when it comes to ot networks yeah. that availability becomes paramount uh, because it's mission critical. It's things that could have a human impact or a major economic impact. So that, that you're right. Availability is definitely a top priority of the OT world folks.
2: I think uh, the information security side of uh, OT, uh, you know, we didn't realize this convergence. A lot of our devices, not just at the airports, a lot of oil and gas and other utilities I used to work at, the XU Energy, you know, the Comanche uh, mm-hmm. Park uh, in Glen Rose, Comanche oh, yeah. Peak, yeah, Comanche yeah. Peak, uh, yeah. Um. A lot of these devices were, you know, they were developed with no security in mind. Um. I think in the last couple of years, I think they've realized that they had to add security. But prior to that, we're still a lot of organizations that they run thousands of devices with, you know, with not, you know, no security in mind. Um, a lot of them are probably are still using weak passwords and default accounts. And most operational people, um, I'm hoping that that practice has changed now. Unlike information security professionals like me, our first step when you're introducing a new device to your system is to harden it. Uh, I'm hoping the OD security world will... Uh, you know, have followed that uh, you know uh, practice. Do you do you do that? Uh-
0: well, <laughs> y- you you bring up a, a great point. Historically, a lot of these OT networks have been secured by bolt-on applications and technologies. And now there's been a lot of initiative you see between different manufacturers to um, apply good software design yeah. and and include security as part of their basic architecture but the reality is a lot of these devices that are already there have been in place 10 years or 20 years and they might not be replaced anytime soon
1: yeah the I mean those assets it's not only depreciation but if it's working why would you replace it if you talked before about 100% uptime there's no five nine so going and changing out a platform of any kind is incredibly expensive just from the cost of uh, acquisition, but then you don't shut down pipelines, you don't shut down, what? Run,
0: run, I mean, you you know, airports, you know, you don't don't want to shut down an airport for upgrade purposes. (laughs) Oh, we need to reboot this. And well, we're going to halt all the flights for, you know, a few minutes. The good thing about
2: airports, we have about three or four hour downtime at night where we could do the upgrades. Hey, uh, Jason, uh, you know, we uh, just, uh, I I thought of this, uh, Around, you know, you use the Skylink a lot at the airport? Um, I try not to. I actually
1: got stuck on it for about three hours one time. And I try to make sure that just before my Uber enters DFW, that I double check to see that the gate
2: in the terminal hasn't changed. But I travel every week and I love Skylink because I could go from terminal to terminal yeah. in five less than five minutes. And unfortunately, that happened to you. Around April uh, last year, um, I saw a news clip about Skylink. They're raising a bond to upgrade it, and uh, unfortunately, uh, on the news article, uh, they have to share to the public that uh, uh, Skylink runs on Windows 2000. And just imagine that you know that Skylink uh, transport. I would say maybe five to ten thousand people in a day, and um, so that's an example of uh, you know. Um, there's security on Windows 2000 but it hasn't been
0: patched how many years now I, I i would wager that microsoft hasn't released a security update in 10 years for it you yeah. know
1: so that time i got stuck on skylink it probably had a security patch or some kind of upgrade that was required and then blue screened afterwards i, I and don't know i was know stuck there happened. missed a flight it's
2: it's the best uh service in the airport i love it but it's it's needing uh, it, it's,
1: Incredibly convenient.
2: Yes, and it ha- needs to be upgraded to the latest. And unfortunately, should, should
1: we actually tell the public that it's Windows? Well, 2000? it was. It I can was, edit this out. It
2: was on the newspaper. That's why I could uh. discuss it with you.
0: No, it was. It was in the news. But it's a perfect example, though, of here. You know, and, and you mentioned the airport's down for several hours, or, or you have some ability to do patches. Uh, for a few hours a day, but that doesn't mean that the vendor that produced some of the technology that integrates with that Windows allows you to upgrade. And that's a common constraint in many OT environments is, okay, yes, we know we should upgrade Windows, but the PLC vendor may say their software that goes on Windows doesn't support Windows 10 or Server 2008 or whatever.
2: I think they're trying to raise uh, more than $40 million, and that's not just a PC. Those... uh, equipment there they need to be upgraded as well
1: let's talk about uh since we're talking about dfw what are the maybe the top two or three lessons you learned for dealing you're on the it side of house information security but top two or three lessons for effectively managing through ot and it and that critical infrastructure you're basically managing a city
2: yeah and there's a lot that goes into that i think the number one if i could uh go back and, you know, redo what I did there, I would say I'll focus on awareness. Um, people on the OD side, you know, they were surprised. Hey, I'll, we're going to scan your environment, you know, without me really un- explaining to them why. There's a lot of education needed. Um, their world is so different than our world. Um, they're not very familiar with the threats we see every day. Uh, they only see they're up you know what they do you know around those equipment i think number one would be uh number one lessons learned there for me would be re- i should have been you know uh, inc- uh you know at the forefront of uh education and awareness i focus so many times th- so much of my time to aware employees i you know i forgot that those guys they need also uh, education and awareness that these, these, their devices will be targeted as well. Second, I think the difficulty I have there is um, I didn't have a single tool. I was using multiple tools. Uh, I wish I had Cyberbit
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, when I was there. So tell me
2: why. Yeah, because uh, I have different um, lists of assets using different systems. You know, I have to use, uh, I think I have a spreadsheet. I have a asset register in uh, Rapid Seven uh, and a couple other tools, and it was very difficult. And the spreadsheet that cannot update itself. No, it's you know, very manual. The, the the by the time I think we finished the initial scans and the asset discovery, uh, I I told my team that the data is already stale. That data after three months, they probably. Uh, Added new stuff and probably uh, 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 remove some of the, uh, you know, uh, some of the devices. So it's it is very difficult when you don't have a single pane of glass and have visibility. I was literally blind. I know those devices exist around the airport, but the difficulty is, you know, if you don't have visibility, you cannot manage them. Uh, I don't even know, you know. Uh, I have to go manually. Hey. This set of cameras are IP based. They're probably running a firmware from four years ago. Is there a new firmware? You know, I didn't have all those. I have to do some research. Research on the side. Unlike most of the new systems today, they they can probably pull what's the you know they'll probably identify if my firmware is way way behind. Uh, I can probably be able to hey. These devices have a new firmware available, and you could actually uh, upgrade them. So, so you had a lot of manual, a lot a of lo- manual.
1: How, so, from a labor perspective, many, we, I mean, how many people had, did I had you have one, in shock?
2: I had one dedicated person just doing the discovery, and uh, it wasn't efficient. As I well, told you, can't imagine the time that he is done with uh, maybe twelve weeks of discovery. That data is probably ten percent, maybe have may have changed.
1: How, how many people do you have in your SOC?
2: We don't have a SOC. Uh, we have a couple of people who are in charge of our. You know, there were three uh, in the threat and vulnerability management team. Sure. There are. Uh, so I pulled one guy there to, you know, to start. You know, we didn't. We wanted to have uh, a good count of what we have. Uh, it's almost difficult to to secure your environment if you don't have asset inventory
0: a baseline at least so that brings up a
1: question in my mind when you think about just from a consumer perspective walking through the airport that there's you have the airport but you also you have the airport's customers which are people that are flying but also you have you have people that are renting real estate and selling barbecue sandwiches and bottles of water and coffee and and we call them tenants
2: and those tenants are part of our network of course, uh, like most the airlines, you know, the airlines, rail car all, companies, yeah, they're all in the same network but segmented. You know, we have we uh, the you know the networking team at that airport, at DFW airport, did a very good job by creating those segmentations. But you again, third party
1: networks too, right? Yeah, we have yeah, third party like networks Boingo or at
2: t or somebody, coming in, providing Wi-Fi. It is. Um, it is a very complex network uh, i would say that i wish i could share you everything a lot of them are confidential but it's a very complex network with a lot of moving parts there's a lot of threats there's a lot of uh yeah what called it uh, uh, the from a threat exposure perspective there's a, a big you know uh there's hundreds or thousands of entry points and we have to secure you know from the security point of view there's a lot of work for us. The hackers just need one way to get in. It is a very challenging job. Go back to the
1: inventory piece, Clayton. Cecil said, I, w- I wish I had that one tool that went and did this for me. Is there that, There's that one tool that would take those OT guys and say, you know what? We're not going to brick everything. So talk to me about how that's done.
0: Well, to, to a couple of Cecil's points, um, first off, you know when you're establishing that asset list and baseline, a lot of the tools are designed for a one-and-done. You run some type of scan, and then you've done that scan, and it was accurate at the moment you completed the scan, but by the time you've submitted some report, there's been other devices added to the network. And that's where something that continuously monitors and grows that baseline and is capturing new devices and identifying threats with those new devices is so critical. So you, you need a system that that is monitoring 24-7, not just a one and done. And then you need that system to be able to, uh, it needs to have the right intelligence to identify what it's seen. A lot of the generic tools, they're going to look at things like the MAC address and say, okay, this MAC address, uh, okay, it com- it's got an, an Intel ethernet adapter and that's about the the depth of the identification it'll do with that asset so you need a tool that not only will just look at the vendor mac address code it will also look at what are the protocols who is it communicating with oh this is a a he mentioned siemens earlier this is a siemens plc and it's talking to this computer so i think really to establish a good monitoring uh program or process you need the right tool that can do all of that and do it continuously
1: and that monitoring and awareness tells you when something's gonna arrive
2: and then a tool that could actually talk to a cmdb so you can actually populate and add more metadata you know what is this appi- what is this ot for you know what application is supporting who owns this you know you'll be able to
0: populate uh, other uh, metadata that's a perfect example of uh, an integrated solution where you're collecting that data, you're presenting that data to your SOC team, you're putting it in a SIM, some type of database, and then on top of that, you want the, the analytics and the, uh, the playbook to be able to show your uh, SOC personnel Basically, what to do? We've seen this Siemens PLC talking to this Windows 2000 uh, computer. We, we've seen that interaction between this Windows 2000 computer and the Siemens PLC. And uh, essentially, someone needs to know one of your your people who's working the sock uh, all hours of the night when they see this traffic. Uh, what do we do with it? What do we? Is this actionable? And then, what kind of response may be necessary?
2: I got a good story for you. Thank Let's you for it. Yeah. So uh, one night um we get this blip on our radar there's a uh uh something's going on in the network let's go uh, find out what it is and uh so I sent a couple of engineers to uh, look at the device oh okay uh it looks like it's uh being targeted for malware and uh unfortunately um we can't get into the facility because uh, it is it is uh, locked so we went on and find a way to uh, disconnect it from the switch. The problem is the tag on the network is not that you know that company. It's a it's an airliner. You know, I wanted to remove that. You know, we wanted to unplug them from the network so you know it will start. It will stop. Uh, you know, uh, hosting uh, the malware, but we couldn't. That's a dif- that's a difficulty because if we if i have a tool that i could actually hey this one i could you know in in just in the dashboard i could disconnect you from the network i couldn't do that i have to go through the switch and Unplug them from there. How long did that take start to finish? Uh, probably took us several hours because we have to validate. We have to check if that cable is the right cable. And unfortunately, it belonged to a, an, an airliner, a major airliner. And you just can't go and shut them down
1: sight unseen yes. and say, sorry guys, but uh, you're being targeted and we can't have
2: that and risk the rest of the airport. Yes, and um, that's a challenge. Uh, if I have a tool that I could see the threat coming in, hey, this looks like a threat. I could, you know, in some way cut off the connection there on a dashboard magically. I'm pretty sure there are some tools uh, available. You know, I'm pretty sure. Can CyberBeat do that?
0: Well, certainly. There's there's a solution, the SOC 3D, where, yeah. where you can customize that playbook to do a response if if that's what you want to do. Shut down, the, build a dynamic firewall rule yeah. or shut down a port on a switch, for example.
2: Yeah. It w- w- would be nice if, you know, there are, you know, I had Cyberbeat at that time. Well, we're <laughs> we hap- could have. We're happy to say that DFW is a
1: customer now, so yeah. it's great that they have. They're starting to get those tools that makes that job a little bit easier. It's just uh, you're not there to enjoy the benefits of yeah, it anymore. Yeah. So I miss
2: working days. So.
1: Yeah. So. Um, so fast forward into today in that consulting role, yeah. are you teaching other CISOs how to be a better CISO? Or
2: I'm trying. You know, we how to uh, scream for
1: better budget to get the right tools. Yeah,
2: I'm uh, helping a lot of CISOs, and uh, three, of our customers are airports uh, as well. Um, visiting uh, visiting a Fort one soon, um, trying to help them. You know, based on my experience and. Uh, there's a lot of things to do. Um, there's a lot of CISOs, I, you know, I'm. I don't know everything, and they don't realize. I actually, I actually learn from them during our engagements. I, I love doing this work. Um, today, you know, I had the pleasure of uh, enjoying uh, four meetings and a lunch with uh, four CISOs in the DFW area. Had a lot of great discussion and. Uh, yeah, you
1: know, a good consultant is always going to be in learning mode yeah. so they can pass on the lessons learned. When you think through just the role of the CISO, which is ultimately a very new role within any organization, and what we've seen and talked to people about is you might have somebody that seems awfully green to have a C-level title, and you'll find some people that are that have a wealth of experience yeah. and, I and have those. a career doing other things and they bring that experience and some best practices could be from finance or it or legal or compliance or something like that what is what do you want in the dna of a CISO working for you if if you're the if you're the chairman of the board or if you're the ceo of a company that's got critical infrastructure or maybe they're a bank and it's doesn't feel like critical infrastructure like oil and gas and yeah. airport runway lights. But to me, my money is critical infrastructure in my life. Yeah. So what is the DNA that I want that CISO to have and the responsibilities? And how do we arm them with the right tools and the right um, – just the right way to elevate yeah. their value within the company and
2: to the stakeholders and shareholders of those companies? Well, I uh, – you know, i I meet a lot of these guys every day and uh a lot of them are successful. Um I think uh most of the better ones, the, you know, the I think they have a good balance of their technical and their business skills. I always you know I mentor probably at least a dozen um soon to be CISOs. Some of them are still students today. And I always tell them that uh uh what I found among successful CISOs are they're very good storytellers they could tell a good story they could uh, sit with an engineer be able to talk about technology and threats uh, sit with a an external auditor and uh, talk about controls they can talk to their CFO in terms of uh, business risks and how it impacts the financial uh, the bottom line of the company and they could talk to the board I think um, the first one would be a good balance of technical and business skills. Though, but I think the most important is that that communication skills that they could bring uh, at any levels. Um, I like to think when I was the CEO, so I I like to think that I did that. And um, part of my job, I think that's why I I think I I, I think I was very successful because I even to the janitor, you know, I would treat them as like my CEO. I would because those guys. They actually tell me, hey, Cecil, uh, that room has some switches there. There's a lot of people with access to that door. You know, they would. I can tell you, I, my struggle, my background is engineering. What kind of engineering? Uh, electronics engineering. And uh, I can talk to the janitor, to the engineers. Um, it took me a while to be better at talking to executives. And uh, my CFO at one of my previous jobs uh, told me that sisla uh, you are almost perfect on all our on all your performance uh, rating there's an area that you need to improve that is your executive communication um you're sometimes you I still see you a little bit goofy uh, but you got to be more formal and you know until now i it's still I try, you know, I try my best. I fell at that one all the time. <laughs> I am, I am an open book,
1: and if you see me in a ball cap, that's probably me dressed up.
2: Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, I try. You know, my job today at uh, Cyberwatch, I'm, I'm always dealing with executives from the CEO down to you know, uh, and even directors and managers, and have to make sure that I'll be able to talk to them in a way that you know, at that level, be able to understand each other so
1: anyway. Well, I'm sorry but finance guys or that C-suite a lot of them they just don't understand what you do for a living and managing risk is part of the job of that CEO that CFO and understanding what the risk the likelihood of that is a concern for sure but they also have to balance that with other business needs so being able to yeah effectively communicate
0: I think that is very critical skill, especially when you talk about the convergence of IT and OT, because often a lot of the OT uh, business responsibility goes up to a different layer, to the C-suite, to a different person. So they might be a production officer. They may be someone who's Vice President or Senior VP of Reliability. So there's a lot of different titles often that the OT responsibility rolls up to. So it's so critical that the CISO have a good relationship and understand the companies, uh, what what are their OT assets and how do they interact with the business system? So that's, uh, it's just a critical skill to be able to have those conversations. Otherwise, uh, you've got people operating in silos and you're not building uh, a comprehensive security program that includes IT and OT. and yeah. um, You know, uh, the
2: last six months of my employment at the airport, um, my CEO was the biggest cheerleader of cybersecurity every there every time there is a, uh, a town hall meeting or uh, you know large gathering of uh, people who are running the airport i can tell you cybersecurity is always you know he would spend 15 minutes talking about cybersecurity there on my last week at the airport you know we had a big town hall meeting and he spent 30 minutes you know we have so many things going on at the airport and he spoke about cybersecurity I think that communication is really key. Um, when I started there, we had that long-running discussions on how cybersecurity can enable the airport. And I think it, with my regular meetings, with my scorecards, with my metrics, and he's constantly reading on, you know, today, open CNN, there's a data breach news, uh, almost. So you said enable. Sorry.
1: Enable. So a lot of... A lot of times in the cybersecurity world, it's all a lot of fear and uncertainty, and oh my God, how how do I protect? But I'm interested in this concept of enabling that institution and that that company that to perform its total function better. So, t- talk to me about enablement through yeah. Cybersecurity.
2: I, and I think uh, organizations they could run more confidently. They could run, you know, every in like in like for example, um. If we plan to open a new um, system, you know, if we have security embedded in the beginning at the design stage, we feel good about the outcome of that project. We are, we feel good about every business. It's it's the bottom line. They want we want to make money at the end of the day, but we want to make money in a way that, you know, we also are taking care of our systems, our customers' data. So, what we do uh, is we embed ourselves in that process. We want to make sure that before we even put a system out there in production, we want to make sure that the design is properly done, the security is embedded. Uh, because if you plug in security later, you know the cost is higher.
0: I think that to, to add to what you're saying is if you have the security embedded in the design. Your scalability is much better yeah. because now you're not burdened with uh, the security bolt-ons, yeah. the security management. That's now, if it's inherent in those devices on the OT or IoT network, you can now scale it much better. Especially as newer uh, transports come into the play, like 5G or, or Wi-Fi or Zigbee or whatever wireless or, or network protocols come out. If you if you can scale it, uh, I think security by design there is a huge, huge uh, factor. Yeah.
1: So an ounce of prevention
0: versus a pound of cure. Exactly. Yes. It's much easier to bake in the secure architecture than it is to, to come back and hold hold it on. on. Yeah.
2: And, and that's one of the things that um, we need to work on with our uh, partners in the operational side of the business that, because SDLC is not really something that they follow in the OT side. Um, If we uh, actually do our, you know, make sure that we embed the uh, the security, uh, we actually do the testing before putting them in production, uh, be able to do some form of pen testing or vulnerability assessment, I think that will help, uh, you know, uh, improve our, our OT infrastructure. Sounds perfectly reasonable to me. Well, guys,
1: Thank you for being here. Uh, Certainly educational for me, Cecil Clayton. Um, Love to have you back again some other time. We'll talk more about
2: things other than airports, but uh, any last comments? Well, uh, uh, I'm happy to be here. Again, uh, English is my second language. I don't know why you keep inviting me, but uh, I'm happy to participate every time you need me.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) so you're a fun guy to talk to. It's been an interesting conversation and, and certainly uh, a good example of how OT and IT are talking to each other at uh, many different industries. So
1: Convergence happens in all different facets. Yeah, I think we've been using convergence to talk about everything for the last 25 years and we're still converging. Yeah. So, uh, and we will continue to converge, so we'll converge again next time. Thanks for listening to Parabellum. Adiós.